Yeah, let's open our Bibles, Matthew chapter 18. 18. A little bit of review from the last time in Matthew. This, the section was, you know, who's the greatest? Which one of us is the greatest? They were, you know, they had these arguments and uh, they finally came to Jesus. They had this selfish ambition, pride, and, and they finally came to Jesus after they argued amongst themselves. Jesus kind of knew they were, they were pretty lame, but um, they asked him, you know, which one of us? Who is the greatest, verse 1, in the kingdom of heaven? And Jesus kind of bypassed all of them, calls a little child in. And uh, he says, unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever humbles himself like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Not childish, but childlike. To be like a little child, to be trusting in, in faith and dependence upon God. It's a, a simple faith of, of a relationship with God. And, and uh, whoever humbles himself like this little child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. So if you want to be great, he says, the way up is down. To be first, be last. To be the greatest, be the servant of all. So that's... That's to get into God's kingdom and to be great in God's kingdom, both the same way. There's a, it's the same thing. It's to humble ourselves before the Almighty God, and, and that's the way to be great. If you want to be great, he says, humble yourselves, and God will lift you up. Bend the knee. Today, Jesus talks about children since he had one there in front of him, and uh, it seemed like the child was happy to stay there. I remember uh, last time I had uh, a child come in, a little child that is... Uh, near and dear to me, and I almost lost it then. I almost lose it now thinking about it. She was kind of bold. Did you notice that? She just kind of came marching down there like no, nobody's business, wasn't afraid, and, and I had to kind of encourage her to leave. And, uh, you know, it's like this idea about children, you know, this idea of, of, hey, now that doesn't make them perfect, does it? Doesn't, you know, those of you that have raised children, you know what it's like. But, but Jesus had one in there in front of him, and, and I think... This section, he talks about raising children, and he, and, he, and he also talks about children's ministry, I think, and ministering and loving children. And, he, and it's a very serious, he takes it all very seriously, the whole heart of God towards little ones. Now, some have made a case, and, and, and probably rightly so, that little ones also can apply to uh, other children of God. You know, not just children, little children in age, but little ones who belong to him. Little ones who have, who have humbled themselves and, and have a childlike faith and trust in the Father. Uh, and it's probably right that, that, that you can apply some of these things uh, to those as well. But, but he did have this child right in front of him. And he's talking about little ones. And, and uh, he, he, he starts off there in verse 5. <clears throat> he says, and whoever welcomes, whoever welcomes... A little child like this in my name welcomes me. Whoever welcomes a little child like this in my name welcomes me. To welcome them, to, you know, as we welcome little children, as we take care of little ones, young and old, I'm not going to keep saying that throughout. I'm going to keep applying to little children, but, but just so you know, it applies to you too. But as we welcome in, in the name of Jesus, as, as if we're welcoming Jesus himself, that's kind of a mind-boggling. How does that work? We don't, know, we don't need to know necessarily how it works. We just need to know that's what Jesus said. He said, when you take care of these little ones, you're, it's like you're taking care of me. 
When you're welcoming them, you're welcoming me. And he adds also uh, in another place that Mark adds that you're not only welcoming Jesus, but you're welcoming the one who sent Jesus as the Father. Jesus, again, he's kind of opening our eyes like, how do we treat people? How do we treat these kids? How do we raise, how do we minister to these kids? We have to remember, especially with these children and young ones, they are our future and they're the future of the world. They're certainly the future of our church. I might have, I don't know, another five years. I'm, I'm so old now. But I don't know how much time I have. And, and, and I know that God is going to be raising up younger people. And I see it here in our midst, even, uh, you know, that God is raising up younger people to step up and take responsibility and get involved and do things. Not that us older folks can't, you know, uh, welcome to Oldville. Uh, not that we can't do stuff. Because we can, and like Alex was saying, the, the older have wisdom to share with the younger, but, but younger ones, if, if the older ones are not paying any attention, you're just young people, just stay out of the way. I know what I'm doing. You don't, you don't need to do nothing right now. What, what kind of future is that? You see what I'm saying? Jesus says, welcome them, even when they're not so cute. Welcome them. Look at, uh, turn ahead to Matthew chapter 19. We'll read it uh, today. It says in verse 13, Then little children were brought to Jesus for him to place his hands on them and pray for them. But the disciples rebuked those who brought them. Whoa. And Jesus said, Let the little children come to me and do not hinder them, for, for the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. And when he had placed his hands on them, he went on from there. Some people got it. You see, Jesus was speaking back here in Matthew 18, welcomed them. Some people got it, but it looks like the disciples didn't get it. People said, oh, Jesus said, welcome them. He had a child there. He had a, he, he had a heart for them. These people, they, they bring their little ones to Jesus, and the disciples say, whoa, whoa, whoa. You know, rebuke them for, bringing, for doing what Jesus says. These are the disciples, remember. These are the ones Jesus, you know, were his, his 12 main men. Let them come to Jesus. Help them come to Jesus. They, they had it like backwards. Don't just hinder them. I mean, don't hinder them, but, but do the opposite of actually help them come to Jesus. We say this over and over, and I, and I, I kind of like relating this to children's ministry because, because it's, it's such an important thing. We say it, you know, that we have areas of ministry for kids uh, back in these, uh, these other rooms, and, and, you know, we had a little crisis today. It wasn't, the heat wasn't, there was something broken, and, and, uh, and Jay came and fixed it, thankfully, but, you know, uh, we're concerned about the kids. We're not, we're not just babysitting them back there. We want... You know, we, we're not just getting them out of here so I can, you know, talk to you adults kind of thing. No, we want to reach those kids with the gospel. We want to reach them with the truth of God's word. We want to reach them on a level that they can understand. That's why we do what we do. And so, and so you know, our, our whole goal and heart is to bring them to Jesus. That's the number one goal. 
Our last few Sunday school meetings that I've been at, you know, I, I just bring this point out as, you know what, we need to bring them to Jesus. We need to share the gospel with them and, 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 and encourage them, invite them to get to know Jesus now before you have to go through what I had to go through and what some of you know you had to go through before you found Jesus. You know, if I would have uh, become a believer when I was a younger person, oh, I, I would have been spared a whole lot of grief and heartache and a lot of fruit that's still, you know, part of, you know, uh, my existence today. Bring them to Jesus. Of course, it's not just here at church, is it? It's in our homes. Bring them to Jesus. There was a pastor, I read a, a pastor of a Baptist church wrote these words about parents' responsibility and the church. He said, parents should do everything in their power to ensure that their children are exposed to the gospel. That means bringing them to church on a consistent basis. It means praying for them and with them. It means opening the Bible with them at home and being open about your own faith. It means being consistent in your walk with Christ, teaching them that nothing in this world is more important than the Lord and His work. Yes, the gospel should be preached from this pulpit, but the primary responsibility for evangelizing the children of this congregation rests on the shoulders of mom and dad. Studies have consistently shown that majority of people come to faith while they are under the age of 18. It's something Larry shared with us, Larry Interline, a few weeks back. There's a serious response. We have just a, an hour or so, really, here per week. You have the rest of the week. And parents, you know, this whole idea is not just for the church, but for parents as well and, and, and for us to bring them to Jesus. We can't expect the world to do it. You certainly can't expect the school, you know, the public school system to do it. They're not going to. In fact, what they're going to do is the exact opposite, to, to drive them away to drive wedges between children and the gospel of Jesus Christ. So that makes our responsibility even greater to bring them. He says, welcome them. If you welcome a little child like this in my name, you welcome me. Jesus is involved in this. When we do what he asks us to do, he's right there. You're welcoming him right there in that. This is pretty serious stuff, is it not? Look at verse 6. It gets even more serious. He says, But if anyone causes one of these little ones to sin, who believe in me to sin, it would be better for him to have a large millstone hung around his neck and to be drowned in the depths of the sea. Whoa. Whoa. Jesus, why do you say these kinds of things? Jesus, can't you just talk about love and, and joy and happiness? No, Jesus talks about a lot of things. He talks about everything that, you know, that applies to us, and God's Word has the answers for all of life. He says, don't be. Don't be the occasion of stumbling. Don't be a, an occasion to cause someone to sin by our example. And again, this is for us here as adults and for us in the home as parents and those of us who are involved with children teaching in lots of different ways and in lots of different settings, don't let our lives be a cause of stumbling. Our example, our choices, and even our own sins, what we allow, what we condone, what we do, they watch, they see. God holds us accountable. That's what he's saying here. There's some accountability in this. 
There's some responsibility in this. It's very, very serious. This millstone he talks about, it was a large one. There was really two sizes of millstone. One, there was a small one that you, know, that you could use at home and grind just enough to make something right there at home. But then there was the big, giant industrial one. Well, that's what he's talking about here. The industrial size. Serious stuff, what we allow in our homes. I know there have been times in my life, you know, raising uh, our kid, helping to raise our kids, you know, when, when uh, I had to go to them and I had to say, you know what, I, I, I am sorry that I, I even allowed us to watch that program. I, we sat and watched the program and it was just garbage. And I didn't get up and turn it off. And I had to go and repent and say, you know what, I'm sorry for that. That, that was wrong and I, and I apologize for that. No way I could back up and take it back, but, but you see, it's my responsibility in the home as an adult, as a parent, that, that you know, I'm not just going to let anything and everything go. Now, you can't protect them and, 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 you know, shield them from everything, but you need to try to do your best. You can't just say, well, I can't stop anything, so you allow anything. No, 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 no. God holds us accountable if we cause one of these little ones who believe in him to sin. Verse 7, he says, woe to the world. Woe to the world because of the things that cause people to sin. Such, such things must come, but woe to the man through whom they come. First he says, woe to the world. And, and you know, the, the, there's, there's going to be some serious accounting at the end of the age. There really will be for, for the way that, you know, the world has been. And, but he, he doesn't just stop at a kind of a corporate responsibility. Really, it really gets down to the individual responsibility. And, and, and the individual woe to the, the, the man who, who allows it to come through him. There is a sense corporately, we, you know, even here in our church, we have a corporate responsibility, but we also have individual responsibilities for each one of us. And, and myself, I have a responsibility. I take it very seriously. You know, the, the kind of the buck stops here, and, 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 and I'm going to be held accountable for what happens here. I don't always think about that, but, but I know that, that this is what, what God has, has given me a, a responsibility to look out and to watch. And, and the kind of, the, you know, it's, it gets back to, to what we allow, what we do. And, 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 and uh, that goes, you know, that... that goes to each one of us. What, what kind of example are we providing? What kind of welcoming attitude do we have? They're not just little brats running around, though they are little brats sometimes. But these are, these are children who, who, you know, we welcome them, we welcome Jesus and the Father, and, and we have a responsibility to bring them and to, to do what we can to, to, uh, to teach them, to bring them to, to Jesus. We do it here in the church in support of the family, if we can help the family in support of that. It's a, it's a kind of a partnership, a partnering together. But, you know, responsibility here, you know, to, to teach the kids, to bring them to Jesus, to protect them, that's a very serious thing. I take it very seriously. And, and you know, there are certain, perhaps certain things that we need to tighten up even here in our ministries. Why? So that we can protect them. Verse 8, <clears throat> he says, if your hand or your foot causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. It's better for you to enter life maimed or crippled than to have two hands or two feet 
and be thrown into eternal fire. And if your eye causes you to sin, gouge it out and throw it away. It is better for you to enter life with one eye than to have two eyes and be thrown into the fire of hell. Wow. More heavy words. Wow. Jesus. What happened to the Jesus, you know, meek and mild? He says, get, you know, get it together. Do whatever it takes. And I think this is, not, this is for children, but also it's for ourselves to do whatever it takes to, to be a true follower. And I think one of the things we see in the Bible is that when we're, when we're not doing the things that it takes, we may not be true followers and we may not be on our way to heaven, to life. True followers will do whatever it takes. They're serious about sin. We're serious about our responsibility. You know, he talks about the feet. Now, is he talking about literally, you know, that we start chopping off hands and legs and, and you, know, we'd, you know, I think we'd all be kind of like a little messed up right here right now. You wouldn't be able to see me and I wouldn't be able to see you. And... But there's a seriousness about it that comes out, I think, in his words, Right? The NIV study Bible says we should deal as drastically with sin as necessary. Our feet, where we go, our hands, what we do, our eyes, what we see. The interesting thing about this is this is the second time we find this in the Gospel of Matthew. Once is in the Sermon on the Mount back in in chapter 5. He repeats almost uh, word for word and it's the same thing. And you know what happens when things are repeated in the Bible. They're repeated for a reason for emphasis, meaning if you didn't get it the first time, you need to get it now the second time. And, and I don't think, you know, I don't think we're as serious as we need to be, myself included, about sin and about the things that we get ourselves involved in. You know, uh, sometimes we need to say no. Sometimes we need to turn it off. Sometimes we need to say, I can't go there. But, you know, we don't want to, you know, get anybody upset. We don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. The truth of it is, is that our flesh is in control and we're going to do whatever our flesh wants to do at that, with that kind of an attitude. He talks about two destinations here. One is life and one is uh, the fire of hell. He says, do whatever it takes to get to life. And if we're not willing to do that, we may not be heading to life. That's what I was trying to say. This, it's interesting, this word where it sees, uh, you see it there at the bottom of verse 9, he talks about being thrown into the fire of hell. The word there is Gehenna. You've heard of the word Gehenna. Uh, you know, and, and, and there was a, a literal place just south of Jerusalem, and they called it the Valley of Hinnom. And it, you know, it has a history and, and so, you know, when, they, when, they, when Jesus said, you know, Gehenna, and they, they could see this picture in their minds, they, know, they knew what happened there. And many, many years previously, uh, you know, during some of the times of the wicked kings, they actually, in this valley of Hinnom, uh, there were children that were sacrificed by fire to the pagan god Molech. And other false gods as well. But these false gods, they, they sacrificed their children in the fire to these false gods. I don't know about you, but when I, when I think about this, I'm, I'm thinking, you know, in some ways, are we not sacrificing our children to the pagan gods of our society and of the world if we're not, if we're not serious about what, 
you know, bringing them to Jesus and teaching them how to truly follow Jesus. But anyways, later on, the, this, this particular place became the, the city's garbage dump where they would burn the garbage, but they would burn this fire uh, constantly to destroy the garbage and also to kill the worms and the, you know, disease and filth and everything else. That was the picture this eternal fire where it was not a, a pleasant place, but in the, in the book of Revelation it says that about this same place that the devil and the demons and the unbelievers, this will be the final place. Say, oh, don't talk about hell, don't talk about Gehenna. Why should I not talk about that? One of the most famous pastors in the country with perhaps the largest church in the country says he won't use the word, he won't use the word sin, he won't use the word hell. He won't use the word devil, I believe, is the third one. Why? Because it might be discouraging to people. Well, then, how can you be a, you know, a, a, a responsible teacher of God's word if you will not say the words that Jesus used? Jesus said it. I am just reading what it says here. Get serious about your life. Get serious about responsibility, he's saying to me and to you. God has provided life to all who would receive. That's the other side of the message. But to those who reject and, and shake the fist and refuse to bow the knee to God, we get what, what we deserve. You say, what do you mean? Well, sin, the wages of sin is what? Death. Is death. Death is separation from God forever and forever. That's what we deserve because of our sin. Verse 10, he says, see, get back, he gets back to the, to the little ones again. He says, see that you do not look down on one of these little ones. For I tell you that their angels in heaven always see the face of my Father in heaven. You know, kids can be annoying. They can be very expensive. They can be a lot of work. But he says, don't look down on them. Don't look down on one of these little ones. And I think we see in these verses that, that God's attitude towards little ones is just absolutely incredible. It's absolutely incredible. And, and I think we need to key into his attitude, you know, rather than just ours. Sometimes, you know, we're, we're grown up and we got things to do and I got, you know, I got my, my agenda and, you know, you kids just follow me. And, you know, if you get in the way, get in the car, we got to go, just do whatever I tell you to do, and we just kind of put up with them. But, I mean, we're missing out on what God's heart is for them. Now, I don't think we need to go to the complete other extreme where, you know, everything is kid-centric and, and whatever the kid wants, whatever the kid gets. You know, what, if they'll, don't, you know, don't hurt the kid, don't, child self-esteem, don't do anything. No, you got you know that's that's way on the other extreme here, but to have a proper heart for them like God has for them, don't look down on them, welcome them, don't hinder them. He says that their angels in heaven always see the face of my Father in heaven. That's kind of an interesting scripture. Do we understand that totally? There's not a whole lot more that we can we can look to to understand that. Although one thing is very clear is that angels are very very much active in the world we don't see them you know touched by an angel like that you know the, you, how many of you ever seen that program 
See, you, you know, you, some of these guys, and then there was the one before that with Michael Landon, um, you know, where people, people become angels. You die, and then you become an angel. Well, that's not biblical either. I mean, angels are angels, and people are people. But angels are active. They're involved in life, and we don't know. He, you know, in Hebrews it says, be careful, you know, you know you, you're hospitable to people. You might be entertaining an angel, unaware. You might not know it. They, can, might, they might look like a person. Some of you had those experiences where all of a sudden you, you had this experience with a person, you never see them again, you never know. You know. That could have been an angel. You just don't know. But in Hebrews chapter 1, it says, Are not all angels ministering spirits sent to serve those who will inherit salvation. Ministering spirits sent to serve those who will inherit salvation. They're, they're here to serve those who have, who have uh, you know, surrendered to Jesus Christ, those who are believers. Now, we don't pray to angels. You've got to understand different things about what the Bible says. We don't pray to angels. But it appears that, you know, this is where people, I think, get this concept of the guardian angel, where it says, you know, their angels in heaven always see the face of my Father in heaven. All I know for sure is I don't, I, he doesn't call them guardian angels, but all I know for sure is that they're active and they're involved and they, and they have this relationship with the Father. They're looking into heaven. But I think part of what that tells us, again, is, is what, what God's heart is for them. Don't look down on them. Welcome them. And that angels are, are you know, looking out for them as well, some way, somehow, and in ways that we perhaps don't totally understand. On the negative side of that, too, is that there are fallen angels, right? And they're very active. Sometimes we think, I think we, 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 uh, we think the fallen angels are more active than the unfallen angels, if you will. You know, we, we say, you know, that you know, we're doing battle with the devil on all these different fronts or whatever. But, but you know, there are, there are good angels, and they're way more than the bad angels, and they're actively involved too. So let's have a little courage. Let's have a little faith. Let's have a little, you know, um, uh, positive outlook in, in that whole situation. Anyways, God's heart for the little ones. In verse 10, he says, The Son of Man came to save what was lost. The heart of God. Luke 19.10 says, The Son of Man came to seek and to save what was lost. The Son of Man came to seek and to save what was lost. One thing I, I want to add, and, and uh, I read somewhere, is that God wants us to be part of the rescue team. God wants us to be part of the rescue team. And I think that's what, what we're seeing here, too, to welcoming them, to, to not look down on them, caring, being witnesses, being ambassadors in the youth church and here in this room, a, a place where people can find Christ. Yeah, we, there is a necessity, and, and Alex mentioned it earlier, this necessity of discipleship where we need to grow in our faith. And we, we study God's word, we're fed by it, and, and we pray, and we're, we're growing. But first, you've got to come to Christ. First, you need to open your heart and, and, and uh, let Christ be uh, your Lord and your Savior. And I want, uh, and my heart is, is that, that anyone who comes to this place would know. They would know the way to find Jesus Christ. 
they would have an opportunity to come here and find Jesus Christ. And I want you to know that, 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 that you can bring somebody here and they're going to hear that Jesus Christ is the Lord and, and you can bring them here to, to hear the way of salvation and, and, and get an opportunity. Maybe, you know, maybe you're not an evangelist and I'm not an evangelist, but I know this place and, and you and I need to be open to that, giving people that opportunity to receive Jesus Christ, to believe and receive the Savior. Not just here in this room, but in those rooms there. I want to keep, I want to keep that before every teacher, every helper. We're here to bring them to Jesus and then help them grow. Verse, verse 12, what do you think? I could ask you the same question. Jesus asked them, well, what do you think? But he goes on to say, if a man owns a hundred sheep and one of them wanders away, will he not leave the ninety-nine on the hills and go to look for the one that wandered off? And if he finds it, I tell you the truth, he is happier, happier about that one sheep than about the ninety-nine that did not wander off. In the same way, your Father in heaven is not willing that any of these little ones should be lost. We see here in this, uh, they call it the parable of the lost sheep. We see him talking about a sheep that would wander away. And again, the, the heart of God caring for the sheep. That's the heart of God. He cares for the 99. Yes, he cares for all the sheep. But, but he had, you know, here we see that that individual is very important. That one sheep. It's very important. Each one of you is very important to God. Each one of you has a place in God's heart that He cares for you individually. And, and we see here He talks about a sheep that's kind of wandering away, wandering off, out of fellowship, out, out of the fellowship of the flock. Since the very first uh, you know, a few months and years we came to Rhode Island, I, I noticed that that was the truth, that there were so many people that had gotten hurt in one way or another, and then, and then they stopped going to church, they stopped being part of a fellowship, wandering off, and, and, and it, it, there's just so many people like that. But God's heart is, no, that's, that's, not, that's not a good idea, that's a dangerous path. In Luke, he, he gives the parable, and and he talks about the lost sheep. He says, suppose, suppose uh, one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Does he not leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? There's that concept of the hound of heaven where God is, is, is continually pursuing, continually going after the individual, the, the sheep, important and loved by God. But he says there that when he finds it, how happy, how happy he is. Not that all the 99 were unimportant, right? Well, what about me? When you think about the prodigal's brother, the prodigal's son, you know, he came back and, and the, the brother got all kind of bent out of shape. Well, you didn't give me no party. You didn't have done that for me. You didn't do all these things you've done for him. And he went away and look at that. You didn't do all that for me. prodigal should have been right alongside. He didn't have the heart of the, of the father, you see. He didn't have the heart of God looking, well, when's my brother going to come back? That's kind of what we're seeing here. Do, do we have the heart of God for the little ones, for people that have wandered off, that are out there on their own? 
He said, the father said to, to him, my son, you are always with me. Everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and, and is alive again. He was lost and is found. In that parable of the lost sheep in Luke, he says that there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 persons, righteous persons who do not need to repent. There's like a party takes place when when one of us comes and repents before the, the king of heaven. Because that is the heart of God. We see, we see there in verse 14, he's not willing that any, that any of these little ones should be lost. He doesn't want any to wander away. He doesn't want any to be lost. And he cares about each, each and every person, each and every individual he cares about. He cares about you. It says in 2 Peter, he's patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. So the little ones are important. Welcome them. And the big ones too. Don't cause them to sin, he says. Bring them to Jesus. Take serious action. Don't look down on them. Go looking for them. Again, not that we're doing it, but, but the Father is doing it, and he's asked us to be a part of that. Because the Father's not willing for any to be lost. I wonder, maybe today, some of you might be wondering, there's, there's a number of levels, I think, that we can, we can hear God's word and respond to this today. One would be maybe, maybe you're wandering. You, maybe you, are, you do believe in him, but you're kind of wandering and, and you're kind of out there and, and the call to you is to come back and to return to the Father. Maybe some are lost. Maybe I remember before I became a Christian, I, I knew I was lost. I knew, I knew that I was lost. I didn't know the way. I didn't, I, didn't know, I didn't know what life was all about. It was just a sense of being lost. Like a child, you know, in a, in a county fair, not, not knowing where its parents are. Today, come to the Savior today. Believe and receive the Lord Jesus Christ. Maybe you're raising little ones and you need, you, you know it's a serious responsibility. It's, you can respond and ask him for help. Ask him for help. He's faithful. He'll do it. He, he helps us years and years and years. Or maybe some of you are called to children's ministry. And, and again, I, I, I talk about that here because it's something so important to us. Maybe you're called to children's ministry. And, and God has just put that on your heart. Ask God to show you how to get involved and where you want to get involved and, and, and that God has just given you a real burden for these young people. Well, get into it. Do something. You know, volunteer. Become a helper, whatever. You, might, you will at some point have to be filling out an application. Okay, just get over it. Unless you've got something to hide, get over it and do it. Like I said, I'm willing to do it as well. I think we all need to be willing to do that for the protection and safety of, our, of these young ones. Serious, right? Good stuff, though, huh? It's very, very good stuff. This is eternal stuff. Eternal stuff. Why? Because it comes from God. It comes from His Word through the words of Jesus Christ Himself. Shall we pray together?